Let's celebrate being a church together, everybody. Welcome. If you are new, we're so glad that you're here. If you just PCS'd up here this summer or found a job or maybe you're running from something, that's what sometimes draws people to Alaska. Whatever it is, we are so glad that you're here. We are a church for the church, the unchurched, and the dechurched. And so hopefully you can find your community and more than anything, hopefully you can take your next step with God. And so uh, online family, we love you as well. Thank you for joining us. Let us know where you're watching from in the chat here today. And also we're celebrating, it is baptism week, everybody. We love baptism week around here. This is something we do once a month. We fill up this tank and uh, invite people to take their next step through baptism. And maybe that's you today. Maybe God has been laying this on your heart. Uh, and, and maybe this is kind of a, a new journey for you, or you've been around the church for a few months and just kind of sense that God is calling you to take a next step. And what you need to know is that if you're a Christian and you have not been baptized, your next step is baptism. It's really as simple as that. Uh, as we read the Word of God, we see that this is the pattern, this ancient pattern of believers that's happened for, for thousands of years, that people would come to a knowledge of, of Jesus and then they would go public with their faith. Um, I, I just want you to know a private faith is a faith that's, a, that's really susceptible uh, to a lot of temptation, and, and a public faith is as well, but it's so much better when we're honest about our, our, our decision to follow Jesus, that we can receive help from others and be open about this decision that we've made. And so I want to encourage you to get baptized if, if today's your day. Um, if that's been on your heart, I want to encourage you to take that next step. We've got people in the back of the room with some lanyards on, and they would love to get you everything you need. They've got shorts, t-shirts, hair dryers in the bathroom, literally everything that you could possibly need to get baptized today. If you're with us online, get in your car. Come here. We'd love to baptize you at the end of our service. And so, um, in fact, if, if I'm preaching and you just sense the Holy Spirit saying, get up, go get ready, um, you can walk to the back. I'm just going to assume if you're walking out during my sermon, it's because you're getting baptized, not because my sermon is terrible. So, um, we're also, man, we're starting a brand new season here, coming into the fall, and, uh, and not just a series, but a new season. And the season we're, we're calling this, uh, we're calling it a deeper life. We're calling this whole new season. The next year, we're going to be focused on this idea of entering into the deeper life. And uh, we actually go on a, tr- a retreat once a year with our preaching team. We talk about the things that we sense that God is leading us to discuss over the next year. And there's just this, this unity around this idea that we sense that people are thirsty and hungry for something deeper. We get the sense that people, not just in the church, but even in our community, they're like, I get this feeling that there's more to life than what I've experienced. And maybe you're there today, and uh, maybe you're a Christian, and you've sensed, man, I've been in the church for 20 years, for 50 years, and I feel like there's more. And what I want to tell you today is, there is. There is. In Jesus, there is always more. And so we're going to be talking about what it means to experience a deeper life in, in, I think, almost every area of life over the next year in these different series. So I, I'm just so fired up about that. And I'm going to share more about this tonight. We've got our partner vision night happening tonight. So if you're an ACF partner, I want to make sure I invite you back here at 5 o'clock in this room. We've got some food for you. Um, if you're not a partner, you should sign up and come. Uh, and if you don't know what a partner is, a lot of churches have members. Members are for Costco. We have partners at ACF. Uh, we don't want members. This isn't a country club. We want people who are on mission sharing in uh, the responsibility responsibility for what God's doing in our church. And so if that's you, if that's your heart, uh, become a partner. We'd love for you to join us on that journey. Well, I don't know how you felt this morning when you woke up, uh, but I felt a little like I got hit by a bus. Anybody else feel that? Like just lots of stuff going on, trying to get the house ready for winter. Uh, It's rainy, you know, we're like, this is a transition season in Alaska. 
uh, where people are just doing a lot of things, trying to get the last little bit of summer done before the snow flies. Well, I remember a few years ago, I got a call from my brother, and it was one of those phone calls that made my heart stop, because I answered the phone, and even just seeing him call, we don't talk that often, my brother and I. Um, there's nothing wrong. We just don't talk that often, you know? So I know, like, if he's calling, it's either my birthday or something's wrong. So uh, it wasn't my birthday. I answered the phone, and he said, Brian, I just kind of prepare yourself. Um, Dad just got in a major car wreck. Uh, he was driving the camper across town, and he literally got T-boned by a school bus. And I was like, oh my gosh, is he okay? What's going on? Like, is everything okay? He's like, he's going to be okay. He's going to be just fine. Um, but uh, in fact, we have a picture of this moment. Uh, there it is. There's my, there's my poor dad. He looks so sad, doesn't he? Uh, and then the random people in the background. I don't know what they're thinking, but... Uh, this is my dad's Class C camper, and man, I, I drove that thing around with him for years uh, when I was a kid, and so uh, the thing was in mint condition. He's one of those guys that kept, he keeps cars for lots of years, and so this thing is in mint condition, was getting it ready uh, for some trips that he had planned, and just driving down the road, he gets T-boned by a school bus. I was like, I don't even know where I got this picture, but I'm thinking, who's taking the picture, right? Like, give the guy a hug, you know? You're just like, I want to document this terrible moment in your life, but... Um, yeah, it was a moment in my dad's life, I was talking to him this week, where um, he had just retired, and he was, had all these dreams and all these plans. And some of you are in that season of life where uh, you're leaning towards retirement, and you got all these dreams and all these plans, and one of his dreams and plans was to travel around in that camper. Uh, they were going to live in the camper, spend months after months traveling around the United States, just kind of living the RV life, I'm retired and I'm free, right? Like, and some of you have that dream. And then he got hit by a bus. So we know that dreams can change. We know that sometimes this happens. I'm, I'm curious for you, what is your fantasy life? Do you, ever, do you ever just kind of dream about the fantasy life? Think about like what you would just want for your existence to be. Do you ever go on vacation and think to yourself, like, how could I make this my daily life? Like you're in Hawaii, sitting on a beach, and, you know, your, your, your toes are in the sand, and the water's coming up to your legs, and you lean over to your wife, and you're like, honey... I could do this for a living. Can we get paid to sit in lawn chairs for the rest of our lives? Maybe you've been there where you've started looking at real estate on vacation. Are you one of those people? You travel places and you pick up all this real estate stuff. You're like, what could life like be like here? And man, it'd be so much better. And you know, it's warmer. And you know, they get more than a month of summer here. And it's going to be so great. And what is your fantasy life? Maybe it's just to live in a cabin in the woods in Alaska where nobody's going to talk to you. You know, let the mama say amen. No questions. No questions, just living in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what your fantasy life is, what your dream is, but two things can happen when it comes to our fantasy lives. The first thing is this, we get it and it doesn't satisfy. Like maybe for a little while you're like, I'm so, I'm so happy I got the cabin, I'm so happy I retired, I'm so happy we're driving around in the camper, but and then like my parents, they got a different camper and drove around in it for about a month and they were like, we're going back home. This isn't what we expected. We need our people. We need our house. We want, want this, this life, and, and this isn't the life we wanted. So one scenario is you get the fantasy life, and it was not at all satisfying. The other scenario is this. Uh, your fantasy life gets hit by a bus, right? Like for whatever reason, the finances don't come through, problems arise, issues happen, health conditions come along, and you never actually get to do the thing that you lived for. And you end up asking yourself the question, if, if that's where it goes, then what's the meaning of my life? 
And what I want to propose to you is that we all as people were meant for something deeper. We were meant to experience a deeper life. And, and here's the question, what if God isn't interested in your fantasy life at all? Like, what if God is more interested in leading you into the deeper life in Him? And what if that is all your heart was longing for all along? I want to propose to you that that is certainly the case. You know, uh, this idea of the deeper life, it's not a new idea. It's actually a very old idea. I think back to uh, some things I've read by the founder of this family of churches that we're a part of called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, His name's A.B. Simpson. And A.B. Simpson founded the Alliance back in the late 1800s, and he talked a lot about the deeper life. And so this yearning for a deeper life is not something new. It's something very old. It's something woven deep into the human condition, is this idea that, man, we're always hungry and thirsty and yet never satisfied. There's always something more that we desire, and I believe that churches in America are at a critical moment. Right now, I talk to a lot of pastors. Churches are either thriving or dying. Post-COVID, a lot of churches shut down or a lot of churches kind of got on life support, and that life support is slowly running out. People are tired. Church leaders are tired. People are just running out of steam. And what I see as a consistent thing amongst the churches that are thriving is they're full of people who are hungry for the deeper life and willing to sacrifice for it, who are not satisfied with doing church and just getting together on a Sunday morning. The churches that were centered on Sunday morning or some preacher on a stage are the churches that are dying. But the churches that were an army of people who are sharing the gospel with the world and experiencing the deeper life, these churches are exploding with energy right now. And I just I want you to hear this from me. I want to be a church that pursues the deeper life. Do you want more for yourself? And maybe that's the best question to ask before we go into any of this, is, is if you're here today, do you believe that there's more? Or do you think, man, I've kind of tapped out on the God of the universe. Pretty sure I've kind of figured out enough about the Bible. I've heard enough sermons. I've read enough. And I understand enough about God. Like, I, I think that it's as good as it's going to get. Here's, your, here's the promise for you. For Christians, for people that are believers and followers of Jesus, the story is this. The best is always yet to come. The best is always coming. You have never experienced God, God's best until we enter into his kingdom together. And so to talk about the deeper life and what it is, I want to talk about what it's not. I want to talk about what it's not, because when you think of the deeper life, maybe you think of, oh, good, Bible study, yay, you know, Greek and Hebrew, which I'm all down with studying the Greek and the Hebrew, but the deeper life is not just that. So I want to give you a few. First, the deeper life is not understanding without application. God forbid you come to church, you hear some Bible verses, you get a, a, a hold of this topic or whatever the concept is, and you leave here going, that was cool, that was interesting, and not transformed. I am very confident, that, and this is true of me, I think it's true of most Christians across America, is that we are educated far beyond our willingness to obey. I want to ask you, do you have some notes in your Bible? Maybe you've got some notes from the sermon series that we've done over the years. The question is, how much of that have you actually lived out in your daily life? How much of that have you actually applied to your life? God forbid we give education without application. We learn more about God but we do nothing with it. And I will tell you, for some people, what they want to do is they want to learn more to hide the fact that they don't want to do more. And when we don't want to do more, we go, well, just give me more education, right? Give me more Bible verses. And again, we are a Bible church. We will come back to the Word of God every single week. We will will understand theology. These are important things, but they are not the, the ultimate important thing, which is hearing who God is and then letting that transform your soul. 
And let that transform your life. There's a pastor, I heard a pastor named Francis Chan, who years ago, he explained it kind of like this. He said, what if, uh, what if I told my daughter, go clean your room? Right? Your parents are like, amen. Go clean your room. Right? That's a good thing to tell my daughter. And let's say she came back and she goes, dad, guess what I did? I sat down and I thought a lot about what it means to clean my room. And I, 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 I thought about it and I let it deep into my soul, the idea of cleaning my room. And I, you know, I, I just, I considered the idea. In fact, I learned how to say clean your room in Greek and in Hebrew. And I got a, a group of my friends together, like a support group. And we just talked about and encouraged each other and prayed for one another on how it would look to clean our rooms and be consistent in that. And let's say she did nothing, Right? That's what it's like, I think, for a lot of people is it's like we do all of this study, all of this understanding, no application. A deeper life is also not theology without missiology. Theology is simply uh, the study of God. It's, it's an understanding of God. That's what theology is. Missiology is to understand the mission of God. So if you understand the heart of God, but you don't enter into the mission of God, you have not really understood the heart of God. Like, there is no such thing as a Christian that doesn't love the lost. It doesn't exist. There is no such a thing as a Christian that doesn't have compassion for those with needs. Like, you can't experience the heart of God without having love for the people that God loves. It doesn't exist. You can't have part without the other. And so we don't want theology without missiology. We also don't want prayer without power. That's not the deeper life. The deeper life is not, oh, look, we pray for... Four hours a day, that's great that you pray, but do you know that when you pray, you tap into the power of the God of the universe? Do you know when, when you pray, like, lives can be changed, people can be healed? I mean, we want prayer, but we also want the power of God. The deeper life is also not God without his bride. It's become a little trendy in our culture to say things like this, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I want to ask you, how would that go over with me? You come up to me after church and you're like, Brian, I love you, but I hate your wife. You think we're going to be friends? No, you might get a black eye. Um, there is no relationship with me, with me without my wife. You don't get, I am one with my wife. There is no me and her, there is us. We are, we are a singular unit. And the same is true with Christ and his bride. God is one with the church. Is she broken? Absolutely. Has she got some problems? She got some problems. She's full of people. Uh, does she have a long ways to go? Absolutely. But you cannot love God without loving the bride of Christ. So you better work through some of those church hurts and those pains, and, and we want to help you to do that as well. The deeper life is not discipline without love. God forbid we learn to pray, fast. You know, we, we do these things that look really spiritual. We memorize some Bible, go to church every Sunday, but we don't actually enter into the love of God. And then the last one is this, the deeper life is not worship without surrender. When you lifted your hand a minute ago when we prayed together, that's a, that's a, that's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, God, I trust you with this person. I'm, man, we can't heal someone. We, we, we can't personally be there in this time of struggle and personal turmoil, but we can pray that you will be. And so we surrender this person to you in the name of Jesus. And so when you worship, the idea of worship is saying, God, you are higher than me. I am not God, you are God, and so when we worship, we surrender things. I would propose that there's something in your life right now that is left to be surrendered to Jesus. There's something that God wants to take from you. He wants to take that burden from you.
today if you would surrender it to him. Now, we do live in a world, I I believe, that is bent on keeping people from the deeper life. There's a lot of people around that want to benefit financially from you experiencing the shallow life. They want want you living the shallow life, right? And and in fact, uh, there's a pastor that I've learned from from years, Chuck Swindoll. He says this, the itch for things, the lust for more so brilliantly injected by those who peddle them is a virus draining our souls of happy contentment. Have you noticed? A man never earns enough. A woman is never beautiful enough. Clothes are never fashionable enough. Gadgets are never modern enough. Houses are never furnished enough. Food is never fancy enough. Relationships never romantic enough. Life is never full enough. Do you feel it? Do you see it? Do you see the emptiness in the pursuits of your friend's eyes, of the family that doesn't know Jesus and doesn't understand the ultimate purpose of their existence, do you see the emptiness in that pursuit? Do you see the hard work people are putting into trying to keep you from the deeper life? John 10, uh, verses 7 through 10, if you want to flip over there briefly, we're going to be in John and Ecclesiastes here today. John 10 is going to be a grounding passage for the next year. We're going to come back to this over and over and over again, because Jesus gives us some real specifics about who he is and what he showed up here to do. And he says this, verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So side note, throughout the Bible, the people who follow Jesus are referred to as sheep, right? Because sheep need a leader and sheep are dumb. And that's us many times. That's me. It's not you. It's me. I need a leader and I make stupid decisions. And so he says, I'm the door of the sheep. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. In other words, there are false teachers. There are religious leaders who want to lead you away from Jesus and toward something else that will not satisfy. It's it's a doorway that leads to death and destruction. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. This idea of pasture is a place of peace. It's a place where you're sustained, where where needs are met, where you're meant to be. And then he finishes with this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Is that what you want? You want the deeper life? That's, that's, this, is, this abundant life is literally the deeper life. It's just another term to describe this life of fullness, of wholeness, of peace and joy that God has promised us. You can experience that today, friends. You don't have to die and go to heaven to know peace and joy in this world. You get to experience heaven today. And that's the invitation into the deeper life. And what, what you need to see in this text, this is so important to understand this, is that Jesus is the deeper life we all long for. You might go, man, a deeper life is found in this thing or that, this accomplishment, that thing that I might do. No, the deeper life is found in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, I have read John 10.10 hundreds of times over the course of my life. And I noticed this week, just in, in a small way, I've read it wrong. You see, I've always read it like this, that Jesus says, I have come to give you life abundantly. And some translations even, even put it that way. But if you actually understand the context of what's being said, Jesus isn't saying, I want to give you life abundantly. He's saying, I am life abundant. It's in, it's in relationship with me. It's face to face with me that you experience life abundant. You see, Jesus doesn't show up and give us a gift and walk off. You know? 
Because the deeper life can ultimately be just this selfish pursuit. It can just be this thing where I just want more for me. No, no, you need to understand, you cannot experience the deeper life without Jesus. You can't know hope and know peace and know joy without Jesus. A.W. Tozer says this, he says, We know that people spend a lot of time talking about a deeper Christian life, but few seem to want to know and love God for himself. The precious fact is that God is the deeper life. Jesus Christ himself is the deeper life. And as I plunge on into the knowledge of the triune God, my heart moves on into the blessedness of his fellowship. This means that there is less of me and more of God. Thus my spiritual life deepens and I am strengthened in the knowledge of his will. Do you know the deeper life is not found in more of you and less of God? It's found in more of God and less of you. The more you center your thoughts and and, and your purposes and your energy and your finances and your dreams on yourself, the more hopeless you'll become. The more you center your life on the face of Jesus and building his kingdom, the more hope you'll be filled with. This is how it works. I love that Jesus says, I came that you might have something. Do you ever feel like Jesus is just here to take something? I think that's a lot of the fear that people have in becoming a Christian. Maybe this is you today, if you're watching or if you're here, that you're, you're like, man, I don't know that I want to become a Christian because I'm scared of what he's going to ask me to give up. But what I want you to know is that, that whatever you give up is always going to make your life better in the end. It's always going to be better for you. Amen from the people that have experienced it. Like I gave some stuff up and I'm so glad that I had to give this up. Like whenever God says don't do something, what he's saying is don't hurt yourself. Like God's going to give you guardrails and, and, and nobody looks at guardrails on the highway and is like, man, stinking DOT trying to steal my fun. Without those stupid guardrails, I could run off into the ditch, those idiots. Why do they do this to me? Like nobody does that because they know it's there to protect you. Like a few days ago, um, we were out in the garage uh, working on processing a moose because our group got a moose this year, y'all. Like we were really excited about that. Yeah, thank you. Like clap from the people who uh, are excited for us. I appreciate that. The rest of you who didn't get excited, you didn't get a moose. So <laughs> that's why. You're like, whatever, idiot. I didn't get one. So we got a moose in our group. And so we're processing this thing. We've got a whole group of people out there. And uh, one of my friends, he brought his little boy, Hunter, who's two years old. Super cute kid. And uh, I think he's got the spiritual gift of teleportation because he like shows up and then just disappears. And then he shows up over here and just disappears. I swear to you, I'm looking in the middle of my garage, and there's nobody there. Look back, look back over, and there he is standing in the middle of the garage holding a 12-inch butcher knife with a smile on his face. (laughs) Little boy. What did I do? I was like, you do you, bro. Have fun. No, I took the knife, right? I took the knife. Why? Because I want him to live. I want something for him, right? And this is how God is going to, he's going to take things away. He will. Because he wants something for you. He wants to remove something to make space for something better. Do you understand that? I don't know what he's taken away. I don't know what you've been upset that God has taken from you, but I want you to know that, that, man, God came so that we may have abundance, the deeper life. Now, this is huge. He explains that there's like, there's this spiritual battle. He says there's a thief. Who's the thief he talks about? The, the devil. Now, some of you here are like, for real? Okay, we're going there. 2023, we believe in devils? My answer is yes, absolutely. 
And what I would say is most people in our culture, uh, they believe in a spiritual realm more than they realize. Like, if you talk to your non-Christian friends, you said, hey, are there, are there some evil people? They'd be like, you better believe it. Those people are evil, right? Those Democrats or those Republicans, whoever it is, whoever it is. Those are the evil people. Do you believe that there is evil in the world? Oh, yeah, there's evil in the world. Here's what you need to know. Evil comes from somewhere. Evil has a source, and there is a demonic realm that does seek to steal and kill and destroy. And he says, man, there's a spiritual battle raging against you living the deeper life. There's a battle. Now, what are some tactics of the enemy in our lives? I want to give you a few. The first is this comparison. Comparison is a way to miss out on the deeper life. Do you know that? If you're constantly comparing your life to other people's lives, you will always be jealous and unhappy. And isn't that the point of all social media, right? In fact, back to the moose thing, I posted a picture up on my social media of, that, of this moose that we shot. And some friends a couple weeks ago, they, they came up and they were like, man, I had two emotions. I saw the picture of your moose and I was so excited for you and then I was filled with jealousy at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point of social media. I shouldn't put anything out there because that's what it creates, Right? Now, why would somebody be jealous of that? Because they didn't see three years of nothing that we, we got no moose, three years of drought, finally we got one. They didn't see three years of sitting in the pouring rain looking at the clouds. Yay, right? Three years of my eyes crossing looking through binoculars for 12 hours a day. Three years of broken machines and going home and being like, baby, we're going to spend some money this fall because we got to fix these things. There was a lot of cost. I want to tell you this. Be careful what you think you know about someone else's life. Be very, very careful. You don't know what got them to where they are. I promise you, it probably hurt a lot more than you know. There's probably a lot more people like, I bet that moose just like showed up in your front door and died right in front of you. No, that's not what happened at all. It was a lot of work. So be careful with comparison. The next one is this, complaining. Complaining is a thief of the deeper life. Have you found yourself just complaining about your life? Maybe just a little nitpicky, oh, I wish uh, it should be better. Wish it wasn't this way. Wish it wasn't that way. Wish my kids would listen. Wish my husband or wife was, was more supportive. I wish my job was better. Just constant complaining. Listen, complaining is what we do when we feel powerless to change our circumstances. But you need to hear this. If you're a Christian in the room, that you have the power through the Holy Spirit to either change your situation or change your perspective, which means that as a Christian, you are never stuck where you are. You're never stuck. So there, there should not be complaining. The other part of this is too, I, I don't know how your view is on the sovereignty of God, and sovereignty just means uh, God's authority and power over what happens in this world, but I believe that nothing happens in this world that doesn't pass through the hands of God. Everything, even the worst of things that grieve the heart of God for whatever reason, that's, that's where we live in this, in this place and time. God will redeem those things, but God allows to, to happen what happens in this world. And what does not happen is something God did not allow. And so if you believe that God is all-powerful and you complain, what you're saying is, God, you screwed up this time. Like, you really blew it this time. And even in the darkest of moments that, man, it grieves the heart of God, I promise you, redemption is coming. God is always weaving redemption into the story of this world. So be careful with complaining. Be careful with feeling like your voice always needs to be heard when things are wrong. Like, we do live in a society where people are like, I deserve a voice. I just want to be here to tell you, no, you don't. And neither do I. 
Not every thought in this mind needs to be heard. I promise you that. It's why ACF Church doesn't have a suggestion box, and we never will. Because that just wouldn't be good, right? It's why when I go to a restaurant and I see a place to give, you know, suggestions, the only thing I'm ever going to write is give that waitress a raise. That's what I'm going to write. Because I've never run a restaurant. Restaurant. I don't know what they experience. And honestly, we have to be aware that, man, maybe our voice doesn't always need to be heard. Maybe we need to just understand that God is over these things. He has authority over what's happening in the world. And I always think of Proverbs 17, 28 that says, even a fool is thought to be wise if he just shuts his mouth. So that's my, that's my goal in life, right? Man, Brian's really wise. No, he's just quiet. And uh, maybe that's a way that we can move through that. The third tool, I think, of the enemy to keep us from the deeper life is complacency. And uh, I think this describes a lot of Christians today. We're, we're complacent because we can be. Honestly, what's it cost you to be a Christian? What's it cost you to come to church today? Like, what, what is really the cost to your life? Now, we have brothers and sisters on a global scale who, man, for them, they're living in, in, in closed countries. They're experiencing true persecution of their faith. For us, we can be complacent, and so often we are. We just give in to a weak uh, version of Christianity, and it's no wonder that our friends aren't interested. And it's no wonder that the underground church in many countries where the, where the, 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 the gospel is being silenced by the authorities is, is the churches that are exploding with power right now. Because you don't have a bunch of complacent Christians. Why? Because it costs you something to be a Christian, right? You're not complacent about things that cost you something, right? You're invested in those things. And so I want you to flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Uh, a lot of people hate this book. I love it. I love Ecclesiastes. It's written by this guy, most scholars believe is written by uh, Solomon. And uh, King Solomon was one of the richest, wisest men who ever lived. And these are sort of his memoirs of life. And at this point in his life, you kind of get the sense that he's Grandpa Solomon. He's Old Man Solomon at this point. And he's learned some stuff. Which, by the way, if there's somebody who's got a little gray in their hair, more than mine, and uh, they want to teach you some things, and you're younger, you should really listen. Because there's just some things that you're going to learn through life and through experience that you cannot learn otherwise. So if somebody's willing to mentor you, receive it. This is Solomon going, hey, hey, young ones, come here and listen for a moment. Because I've learned some things through my existence. And what you see in Solomon's life is that God kind of disciplines his soul through a lot of blessing. Uh, He is not a perfect man. You get the sense that this guy's got a lot of sin in his life as well, right? He's got like 300 wives and all these concubines. He has sexual sin in his life and all these issues that he's dealing with. And yet God is blessing this man and somehow God disciplines his soul through blessing. And some of you are on that side of things. So I'll tell you this, sometimes God will discipline our souls through taking things away, and other times he'll discipline our souls by giving us things. Here's what I mean by that. When you get what you wanted and it doesn't satisfy, you've got to to dig deep. You've got to start to do some internal work on your soul, and that's what happens with Solomon's life is he, he gets all the things he wanted, right? He lives the successful life, the influential life, the rich life, the sexually uninhibited life, the productive life, the comfortable life, and even to a certain degree, the spiritual life, but he doesn't experience the deeper life until much later. He experiences the deeper life as he starts to see life for what it actually is. And this is why I think this book gives us so much hope. Ecclesiastes 1.13, he says this, I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. 
He set out to understand the world. Some of you guys, man, you are knowledge geeks, right? You love to study. You love to learn. Man, you're reading books. You love it. He says, I have soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. He's like, I learned everything about this world, and what I learned is this. This world's meaningless. You're like, thanks for the pick-me-up. That's a great sermon, Brian. No, no, this is so helpful for us. And there's so much hope in realizing this reality. This word meaningless is the the Hebrew word hebel, which literally means breath or vapor. He says, every time I tried to get a hold of this thing that I thought would satisfy, it's like I couldn't hold on to it. Just like if you go outside and you breathe and you can see your breath, you can try to grab at it, but you can never really hold on to it. He's saying that I realize this life is like chasing something that will always slip through my fingers. Have you been there? It's like it's always slipping through your fingers. C.S. Lewis famously said this. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Do you see the hope? You see the hope in realizing that this world is meaningless. Our lives are meaningless without Jesus. You, you got to accept that. Think of your life. Think of where it's going. Like, you know, maybe your kids are growing up and they're getting out of, out of the house and you're just, you're always moving on to the next stage, right? You're like, I can't wait till I get out of high school. Okay, you do. I can't wait till I get my own apartment. And then you do. I can't wait till I get married, and then you do. I can't wait till I have kids, and then you do. I can't wait till I get a job, and then you do. I can't wait till I retire, and then you do. And at some point you go, what have I done? Like, really? Am I really just dust and, and, and I, I'm completely meaningless, or is there something deeper going on here? You see, you've got to understand the meaninglessness of life without Jesus to understand the true meaning of life. Until you see that, man, everything you get will never satisfy you. You will never reach out for Christ. Reach out for the true meaning of life. Ecclesiastes wants to show us that life is wasted without Christ. And ultimately, that Jesus is the deeper life we all long for. Jesus is the deeper life we all long for. Ecclesiastes 1.15, he says, What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. You ever looked at your life and realized that there's some stuff that went wrong that you can never fix? Do you know that like, there's some words that you've said that you can never take back? There's some things that you and I have done that we can never undo. And that's what Solomon's like. I'm looking at my life and, man, I, I just can't fix it. It can't be made right, at least by me. If you want to write this down, this is important. Without Jesus, your past defines your life. You are nothing but what you've done without Jesus. But with Jesus... We are righteous. We are holy. We are, we, are, we are made right before God. You see, when you look at your past, I'd say a lot of people see their past through two different lenses. They either see it like the good old days or they see it like the lost years, right? For some of you, you look at the past, you're like, man, those were the best years when I was a kid, you know, like Uncle Rico or whatever, like that's old Napoleon Dynamite reference. I don't know if you get that one, but you're looking at the past and you're just like, Man, those were the good years, man. I was like, I never get those back. That was awesome. Or you look at them as the lost years where you go, man, I screwed up so bad that it was just wasted. And what I want you to know is neither are true for those who live in Christ. It was neither the good old days because the good days are yet to come 
Because we look forward to a kingdom where God reigns and rules on earth as it is in heaven. We're in perfected bodies, in a perfected world. It's going to get better, friends. And it's not true that it's the lost years because what you have gone through, God is working actively to redeem right before your eyes. So this is the, this is the good news for those who are in Jesus. Ecclesiastes 1, 16. He says, I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly, but I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. Solomon says, I'm a pretty smart guy. So I, get, I, I sought to say, gain more knowledge and more understanding. He, he's a man of wisdom. He, he asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. So wisdom is a really, really good thing. We want to be wise, but without Jesus, you can gain wisdom. But with Jesus, here's the better news, you have the Holy Spirit. Do you know that wisdom can't hold a candle to having the Holy Spirit in you? Like we want to be wise people, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. You need more than information, as we said earlier. And I I love preaching sermons. I don't want to devalue the power of just hearing the gospel proclaimed at church. It's It's a good thing. But can you, can you just hear me on this? You can do nothing with what we've talked about today without the power of the Spirit in your life. It li- you are powerless to change your life. That's why you need God. Listen, without the Spirit, you're going to hear a beautiful sermon. You're going to sing Jesus songs in this room, and you're going to flip someone off in the parking lot before you leave church today. You need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Somebody's like, oh, he's heard some stories about the parking lot at ACF. It happens. I get it. We need the power of the Spirit. And ultimately, what I want you to do is consider for a moment. Just kind of reflect in your heart. Are you ready for more? Are you desiring for more in your life? And for some of you, what that means is getting to the end of yourself. And for some of you, you walked in here today, and you are just done with life. You're done with the marriage. You're done trying with the kids. You're you're done trying to deal with your parents. You're done with the issue in your life. Man, you're just done and I just want you to hear me today that moment that you're just done trying and you're done you just want to give up is the place where God most wants to meet you it can be a powerful thing just to say I just want to just want to give up that's the moment that God says no I have more for you in this life I want you guys listen to this song help me It's like the walls are caving in Sometimes I feel like giving up But I just can't It isn't in my blood Laying on the bathroom floor Feeling nothing Overwhelmed and insecure Give me something I could use to ease my mind slowly Just take a drink and you'll feel better Just take him home and you'll feel better 
maybe that's your prayer today. Uh, I just need somebody. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know who to cry out to. I don't even know who to ask for help. And what I want you to know is God hears those prayers. A simple prayer of I just need somebody's help. God hears that prayer. And the Holy Spirit works through that prayer. And you showed up today and you're acknowledging that, man, you're not satisfied. And that everything you seem to pursue, it just leaves you more and more empty. I, I just want you to know once again that Jesus is the deeper life that you long for. It's, it's being eye to eye and face to face with Christ that you'll find everything you've, you've desired. But it's only in that place. Romans 5 6 says that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. And it's only in that place of helplessness that we can receive it. And as Jesus says, I, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the poor and the brokenhearted. Blessed are those who are poor and brokenhearted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so if that's you today, I just I want you to hear the invitation. God is reaching out his hand to you. And the question is, would you take it? Would you receive it? Now, I, I promise you, shame's going to come in. The enemy wants to work against you and keep you from taking your next step today. I want you to reject shame by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God wants you to move. So I don't know what your next step is. Maybe it's baptism today. Maybe you felt too much shame or fear for a lot of years. You just have never been baptized. I want to encourage you, today is your day. Today's your day to take that next step. Maybe for you, it's just beginning a relationship with Jesus, planting your flag in the ground and saying, I'm, I'm going to get off the fence, I'm going to move through my wounds, and I'm going to trust Christ because he will never fail me. I promise you, I will fail you, the church will fail you, Christians will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. And so maybe you need to start there. Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to give you a chance, if that's you today, just pray with me, Jesus, I, I want to trust in you as the God who never fails. Sometimes I don't know what to pray but I know I'm at the end of myself. And I want to receive your grace and receive your love. So God, I pray you would take my heart of flesh and give me a heart of, or my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. I pray you take me from death into life, from hopelessness into hope, from brokenness into healing. I, I pray that you'd give me peace. And God, help, help me to just know that your grace is sufficient in my weakness, that your power is made perfect when I'm weak. God, I want to step into a relationship with you. God, together as a church family, I, I pray, God, that you would empower us to experience a deeper life. Could you give us a vision for something better today, God, for those in the room who have settled, who've become complacent, who maybe have become complainers, or who've been lost in comparison. God, I pray that you'd help them to resist the tools of the enemy and receive what you have for them today, God. And as we go on this journey together over the next few months, God, I pray that we'd see fresh life in this community, that you'd heal wounds that we never thought could be healed. God, I pray that you'd transform us, God, both spiritually and physically. God, would you heal people physically in this room that need healing? And God, would you do a work that we could never do on our own? God, we're going to give you all the honor and all the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. If you want to be baptized, you can walk towards the back of the room. We'll get you ready. Love you guys.